All right, gold member. Don't play the laughing boy. There are only two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. What? If it's not Dutch, it's crap. Cross Worlds gives us an elite women's champ, men's champ, U23s, and if you're not Dutch or Belgium, why even show up? Teams unveil their new kits. EF Education, without success, tries to stick it to the man. The World Tour Racing kicks off in France, and things that make you go, hmm, the ride of the week, and Dylan Gronewagen gets death threats. Once again, I blame Patrick Lefebvre. It's Sunday. January 31st, 2021, and this is the Between Two Wheels Podcast, episode 221. I am Tyler Yonke. I hope you are joining us in today. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, January, it's almost, uh, tomorrow's February 1st, so with February 1st comes racing. Eh, not in NorCal. Maybe, maybe we'll get there. Let's start off with Dylan Gronewagen and his issue recently it was revealed that Dylan Grunewagen had received death threats including a noose that was sent to his family and also sent um I think to his his director or his uh, coach at some point as well the family had to get police protection he is a new father and evidently the noose was sent with the idea of hanging his son jeez people are bad there's some bad people out there so um, let's take a look maybe at the article and I, I mean, look, Dylan, I feel bad for you. I really do. And, you know, was this part of, uh, maybe Mr. Lefebvre's issues of too much instigation towards Dylan Grunewagen? I don't know. I'm going to read some quotes from Mr. Lefebvre. Maybe we get an understanding of where this is in the world. Dylan Grunewagen received death threats, needed police protection over his involvement in the crash of the tour of Poland. Jumbo Rider is sur- currently serving a nine-month ban for his involvement in the crash and opening stage of the World Tour race last August. He's 27. He deviated from his line. And in an interview, he said, there were such concrete and serious threats that we called the p- in the police a few days after the crash. The following days and weeks, the police guarded our door. We could no longer spontaneously leave the house. If I wanted to go outside for a moment, there was an officer by my side so that nothing could happen. Uh, handwritten letters to in the post mail that is here in the US we call it and was also sent a noose he added what happened here how is this possible what sick world do we live in come on have you been reading the news uh, the most crazy things go through your head getting out of bed in the morning was quite the challenge in that period uh, Jakob Zen is still not yet back to full strength he is expected to race again but date of return is uncertain yeah. So, um, sorry about that, Dylan. So what, what became then what were, there were some quotes here we had with Mr. Lefevre and I think I'll put these up on the screen cause I think they were, uh, quite telling Mr. Lefevre, Patrick Lefevre. It was a very dirty action by Gronewagen. It was criminal. He belongs in jail for it to coin a quick step and tend to file the complaint with the authorities. 
and they should throw him in prison, Lefevre posted on social media directly following the incident on Wednesday in a report published in the Belgian News Agency 24 hours later. Lefevre stood by his initial comments and confirmed that he has filed a formal complaint with the sports governing body, the UCI, and intends to file complaint with local authorities in Poland. I am very, still very, very, I'm sorry. I am still very angry and stay behind those Twitter messages, Lefevre told the Balga News Agency. It was a very dirty action by Gronewagen. You don't do that. We have already lodged a complaint with the UCI, and I will also do so with the police in Poland. We will not let this pass. There is no un there's no understanding this. This is an attack. <laughs> he really rides Fabio into the barriers. I haven't been a sprinter. Okay, well, there's that. But I've been in cycling for years, and I know there is a thing or two about racing. You can't do this. Fabio was waiting until the last 50 meters without going away in action. He would have flown past him. Well, that's no doubt. I, I'm sure that's true. So now I will not take back my words from last night. Uh, a complaint has already been filed to DCI and the team. I like that first one. There's is no mistake in this. This was an attack. Lastly, emotions ran high after the incident. Patrick Lefevre, this is from Cycling Tips. I didn't see this, and so I just put this in here. Quicksap manager tweeted shortly after the crash that it was a murder attempt and that Gronewagen should be in jail. A murder attempt, folks. Um, I don't think so, Patrick Lefevre. However, uh, just going back to that, that maybe maybe it's a little bit, um, was there any more? No, there wasn't any more quotes there. Uh, but look, Mr. Lefevre, that's that's pretty outlandish. Now, look, does that mean that those people that were sending death threats to Gronewagen were, you know, inspired to do so from Lefevre? Maybe. Maybe there was a little bit of incitement there. Uh, I don't think there's any criminal culpability towards him. I don't know actually what their free speech laws are there in uh, the Netherlands and Belgium and wherever else these, these uh, gentlemen are from. So I'm not quite sure on that aspect, but uh, you can rest assured that some of those people may have taken some cues from Mr. Lefevre. All right, Cross Worlds. Um, I just thought maybe we'd throw this up here. This is the sand that they had there at the race today. Uh, so the, the, over the weekend, you had the women's race. You had first the U23s yesterday, and women, and then today the elite men, and it was a barn burner. And this, this course was pretty fascinating. It had like a, a real steep, like 21% kick little, and it wasn't, it was a, a paved, so it was like a, an overpass on this course and then they went right out to the and you can see the picture there they went right out to the ocean and they were they when they would come onto the sand uh, they would actually ride the guys were riding because it was probably a little more hard packed right on the water section and they would ride through the water a little bit maybe clean off the bike get a little sand off there so but this sand section was was pretty gnarly and you had let's just go through some of the women first uh the u23 women and of course it they had they only had four events here uh, U23 men and women and the elite men and women and the as you might expect as I start with the open there uh, the Dutch they slaughtered everybody they took first in all of those uh, if not uh, the podium totally and the Belgians were really the only ones except for in the women's um, there was an Amer a few Americans that were creeping in there one or two in the U23 women we had an American in the 11th place Madigan Monroe from United States other than that you're looking at uh, Fem van Empel from the Netherlands, and uh, Anik van Alphen from the Netherlands, and she, three seconds behind, nine seconds behind that was Kate Blanca Voss of Hungary. So we had a little change in there. Ing van der Heigen from the Netherlands. Italy had Francesca Barani, Puk Peterson, 
Petros, sorry, Netherlands, Manun Baker of Netherlands. Anyway, it just keeps on going down there. Uh, but 223 back was Madigan Monroe in 11th place for the United States. In the U23 race for the men, uh, for, uh, the reigning champ, Ryan Camp of the Netherlands, had a little bit more trouble. He fell a few times. And his teammate, Pim Ronhar of the Netherlands, of course, they went 1-2. And uh, uh, he ended up pulling out 8 seconds over him, 14 seconds over a Belgian Timo Kalik, and then Emil Verstring of Belgium. And so yeah, Netherlands 1-2, Belgian 3-4-5, Netherlands 6 Belgian seven and eight. Great Britain slams in there. Tim Van Dyke in, I'm sorry, Ben Turner in ninth place. And then we rounded out with the Belgian in 10th place. Uh, and then we had the women. And Lucinda Brand ended up getting the win there. Eight seconds over Anna Marie Woost of the Netherlands and Denise Betsama of the Netherlands. Claire Hansinger, fourth place, 52 seconds back. The United States, yay. And then Netherlands, Netherlands, Great Britain, Belgian, Germany, Luxembourg. The big barn burner, though. Let's just talk about Clara first a little bit. Clara Hansberg, uh, Hansinger was the only non-Dutch rider in the top six on Saturday. Displays this win. I'm reading this off of, I think it was cycling his winter mark for a further step forward after she ended Katie Compton's 15-year winning streak at the U.S. Nats in 2019. Compton is also in action in Austin, placing 21st. Clara rode a really good race. She put in a very solid last lap and put herself in a good position early in the race. The three uh, front three riders separated themselves early, and Clara did a great job moving forward through the field to mount her chase for the podium, said Anthony. Uh, she rode consistent laps and minimized mistakes, which was one of the keys today. And uh, Anthony, by the way, I'm trying to remember his full name, but he used to ride for Rally, and he's taken on the, the, the women's uh cross team over there. Hansinger, who races for Canada Cross World Pro Cycling, will compete in the road colors and tipco svb in 2021 remember her teammate uh Hihante, i talked about last week uh rode down there in australia winning the uh festival santos festival the elite men though that was the race then and look we expected we had there's only three real racers so you have the top three that have been there arts team timo arts um you had wout venner um, and Matthew Vanderpoel, and then the newcomer, Tim Piddock of the of Great Britain. You thought maybe he would have a chance here because he actually won a race against these two guys this year. Starts out, look, cross is so interesting. It's a whole shot, and who gets there, kind of like motocross, who gets there first is kind of the thing. You had Wout and uh, Vanderpoel, MVP. Those two guys got the whole shot. They got the spots they needed. They were around the corners, one, two. There was maybe another guy in there. And uh, the team of the blue and the orange were in the front for the rest of the day, never to be seen again. Tim, Tom Pitcock was quite a ways back. I mean, he was way back there. And we'll talk about his resurgence a little bit later. But I think it was around lap three or four, you started to see Wout just pull ahead of um, uh, Matthew Vanderpool at one point. And maybe we could get the, I have a picture of the crash here. Maybe we'll throw that on. So I don't know if you can see this, but they come around the corner and Wout is over here on the left side of the screen. He's got a little bit of a gap, and Vanderpool uh, takes a nosedive, a little slick spot around the corner. I don't know if he had tire pressure issues, but he nosedived. And from that point, you then had Wout taking the lead. And you're like, oh, this is going to be really good. I mean, you start to get a 20, 30-second gap here in cross. Those are uh, detrimental numbers for us for an eight-lap race. Well, Vanderpool ends up putting in, I think, the fastest lap of the day on the next lap. 
not only combining it with that, but Wout ends up getting a front flat. So Vanderpool catches him, passes him. Wout has to go into the pits, gets a spare bike. And by the way, that change is flawless. Um, I could see why these guys, uh, they probably do well with the time trials when they do the bike swap. So the, the swap is flawless. He jumps on the new bike and he's not, he's starting to close down a little bit. He's got a little bit of a gap there. And at one point Vanderpool up this steep little pitch pulls out of his cleat. It softens the gap down to maybe 10 seconds. But in the end, uh, Vanderpool just had too much and he ended up holding on for a solid win over Wout. Third place, there was a little bit of a battle. Pitcock came back and was pushing uh, Ertz, Ertz, who's been third, I think, the last several years. Uh, but Ertz ended up uh, holding him off. But I will say this about Pitcock. For the position he had on lap one and all the work he had to do to get back up there, solid, solid race, getting a fourth place uh, at Worlds. Uh, so really good for him. Um, it was said there, I don't know what, let's go through a few, a few, a few through a few things, which was uh, Wout did not look as slick on his bike as Matthew Vanderpool. Vanderpool was really on edge, spinning high cadence, looked great through the sand. He rode through the sand more. Uh, Wout had to get off the sand a few times to get back on his bike uh, to carry it, and especially a few times right before this pitchy little climb that they had, which caused some all kinds of problems and momentum, whereas uh, Vanderpool was just able to ride through that uh, didn't have that uh, <laughs> that nosedive wreck he had, which uh, he was able to come back from. Other than that, uh, Wout said he just didn't have it in his heart. Once he kind of got behind and he was chasing back up to Vanderpool, he lost it in his heart. He said he didn't. He cracked mentally. So without that, he really didn't have much to uh, to go on. Bummer for him, but you know those are the things. Them's the breaks, as they say. How about new kits for the teams? Look, everyone's uh, done out here, and so we have. We have EF Education first. They come out with a new kit, and uh, they're trying to be edgy with it. And with that little edginess, they've put out, uh, I think, so last year, they had ducks on their jersey for the Giro, right? And in the Giro, they got fined, I think it was like $4,000, maybe 4,000 euros, uh, for this duck kit, which wasn't very good. And they, they were kind of screaming and yelling and complaining about it. I don't know if they actually had... Uh, permission to use it uh, they kind of acted like they did but you know the, the the fine was upheld so probably not so you know look there's the kits they have formalizations that the UCI needs to have on these and you uh, Rafa, uh, Rafa and combined with education first didn't do that so this year they have a new kit they finally unveiled it uh, of course it's pink and blue and but evidently to strike it strike back at the UCI all the little logos that they have, there's a little measurement around it, which shows little boxes, and they show that they are within compliance on each of them. Oh boy, they're really sticking it to them. Um, but you know, the problem is there's still there's still a pink kit. So with that said, I don't know if it really does much for them. But you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. But I thought we'd go through a little bit of a, a breakdown of all the kits that the teams have done, uh, cycling, and uh, you know, come out with their their new racing here and. Cycling News has compiled kind of their breakdown of all these in like a ranking and review of the team kits. And with that, I thought we would kind of go through them and mock them if needed. If not, then if they're just beautiful as is. And of course, some of it is the modeling that they have here. So, you know, let's, let's jump right in. Which World Tour team has the best kit for 2021? A considered ranking. Okay, so it starts out there. The big three, Tom Dumoulin, uh, Chris Froome, 
and AG2R team. Who is that? I'm not sure which rider that is over there, but um, throw him in just for good looks. Okay. AGTR, Citron, they get a three out of five. I don't know if this is a bad kit. They actually won today. Spoiler alert for the Grand Prix La Masseray. Masseray? I don't know what that word is. Uh, but they won today, so not a bad-looking kit. It's a lot of words across. Let's maybe have a logo instead of a bunch of words, but that's uh, that's what they decided to do here. Uh, Cycling News gave them a 3 out of 5. I don't know. The brown shorts are a bit much. It's probably better than white shorts for these guys, though. So, eh. Okay, Bahrain Victorious. Also do all their team names here. I don't like this kit. I like their one last year a little bit better. Little blending into the, and by the way, it doesn't help the modeling that they have with this guy, the cheesy grin with an oiled, an oiled Derek uh, over his one shoulder, some power lines over the other. I mean, I know you're in Bahrain, but there's got to be a better place in Bahrain than this desolate area. This looks like something from one of those, uh, like the, the TV show 24, uh, where they were, he was out working and people were dying. Anyway, uh, not so great looking. And then Bora. So what <laughs> they do with Bora, they have, uh, um, is, is this one of the guys from the Muppets? No, this is the drummer from, yeah, the drummer from the Muppets, Animal. Um, come on, just do a little better uh, photography here. And Bora, I, I don't mind this kit. It's nice, clean looking. Um, four out of five, they give 4.5 out of five. 20 quick step. Now look, this is a professional team. What do they do? They throw a white background in here. You can't see anything but the kit. It's held down nice. It's probably a skin suit there or, you know, but the, the model is Mark Cavendish looking pensive, uh, excited with, you know, not, not excited. He's just, he's, he's in thought and, um, it's a good looking kit. I like this kit. It's a little bit more blue, darker blue with the lighter blue up top. He's got to show off the rainbow stripes on the shoulders, on the, on the neck and the arms. So once again, Decoina, they put out a, a picture and maybe this is cycling news doing it. I'm going to assume the teams are okay in which uh, pictures are having for this, but that's the, that's the good one. Movie star, uh, their kit similar to last year's. I don't know that I could tell much difference. I really like this. I like the combo of the light blue with the darker, uh, shorts and, um, and Miguel Angel Lopez, Superman getting a little M on his Jersey, decent looking kit. Once again, Ineos, they know how to do it right. White, nice background, Richie Port, nice tight shirt, grenadier, and uh, no change. Doesn't look like any change. So it has this one, which I actually liked last year. Actually, this is a little bit more blue. I think their, their grenadier sky or Ineos one is a little bit more red, but it looks pretty good there. Israel Startup Nation, they have a nice black background here. And then Chris Froome, blade legs, hands on the hips. <laughs> not a fan like gangly guy with a, a shitty grin on the other side eh, the kit though let's oh i should talk about the kit kit looks just fine white up top mid blue you know light a little lighter blue but it's still dark blue and then darker blue on the shorts uh looks like they're going white shoes white socks not a bad i'd go probably dark socks and white shoes so classy look Team DSM, formerly Sunweb, they give them a five out of five. And you know, I don't mind this this uh, kit. And what they did here, they threw a, a female in the front, which definitely helps uh, much more than the others. Throw the Scott bike up there. That's a good looking bike. It's a decent looking kit. Uh, I don't have any problems with this. It's a much, it's, it's kind of got the the stripes, that the, the Team Sunweb, you've kind of come to, to know and love. But it's all blue. It's uh, dark. It's a black, and then kind of this baby blue stripes. I don't know. Is that a duck, fish, or something through the middle there? So they give it a superb 
Chuck Sigafredo, uh, Cycling News gives it a two out of five. Uh, the women's team is a little bit different than the men's team. It looks like it's pretty much the same as last year. I don't know what the problem with this is. It's uh, red across the shirt or the middle of the shirt. White neck, white bottom, blue arms, and the women, and then like uh, dark blue or black shorts. Same with the women on the shorts. Shoulders match the shorts, and the midsection, uh, waist, and chest is uh, lighter, lighter blue. I don't know what the problem is. They say, from what we can tell, there's absolutely no change in the Trek Sigurdfredo kit from 2020. Other teams have done the same, but this design needs a refresh. Israel Startup Nation got the minimalization minimalism right in their 2021 kit, whereas Trek Sigurdfredo hasn't, haven't, and it has dropped on the side of a, a bit disinteresting. Okay, the women's kit is somewhat improved. They just didn't like it because they didn't change. Uh, okay, whatever. How about bike exchange? They give them a 3.5 out of five. This is a little odd. It's got some, this seafoam green on the legs and the arms and the midriff and to match the Bianchi bikes, the heavy bikes that they're going here. Uh, not a bad looking kit. Uh, let's see what they say here. Uh, new colors, new name, new bikes, and a completely changed team, formerly Mitchell and Scott. Now, team bike exchange. The kit has gone from black and yellow to mostly white jersey with Bianchi Celeste colors appearing on the kit as well as the bike. Okay, well, that's what it is. Simon Yates, their main man there. Groupama FDJ, they give him a 2.5 out of 5, and that's, I can imagine, it's because they said, hey, um, what's our budget look like this year? Oh, it's that? Well, let's not put any money into the design of the jersey. Okay. And then they just, maybe they just handed out the same ones last year because I don't think there's a change. I don't, I don't think they've had a change for years. So it's, uh, it, it is maybe time, but I don't know that it's so bad. I mean, they're trying to do the tricolor, you know, the, the French, the red, white, and blue, like we have in America. And they, so maybe they're trying to be a little patriotic with that, perhaps. Team Jumbo Visma, once again, they know how to do it right with their picture. It looks like, it, is that a Sepkus, uh, Dimelin, and then uh, one of the female riders, so Dumoulin, as we know, um, rest in peace, is no longer with the team uh, for now. We'll see what happens there. Not a huge change. It's the same thing, but, you know, it's it's a little bit different with some of the different sponsors here and there. Uh, pretty much looks exactly the same. So-called wasps because of the bee-like aspect. Okay. Team UAE Emirates, they give them a four out of five. I, I don't mind this kit at all. Uh, I like the white with the black pants. Uh, sorry, bibs and a little bit of red on the on the leg. Uh, it looks fine. It's a picture here. It looks like uh, Pogacar, probably Davide, Formolo, and Trenton in the picture here. Trenton comes up short today. We'll talk about that next. Team Kofidis, solutions, credits, three out of five. Hey, look at them. We're a team. We're, we're posing casual yet as a team on the coast. I don't know. This picture's not bad. That kit's not my favorite. It's kind of eh, um, but, you know, whatever. It's a French team. Um, and then the team with the longest name, Intermarche, Wanti Gobert, Matere, 3.5 out of 5. Very similar to what we've seen from them in the past. The usual unusual choice of neon yellow has meant that the scope, yeah, it does give a little bit of a 90s flair to it, uh, but it's not the worst I've seen. Whereas Astana, Astana is pretty much the same. They just changed a little bit of the subtle. Uh, baby blue into a little bit darker on the shoulder, on the shoulders, down to the arms, and then the the shorts are a little bit different as well. They give them a three point seven out of five. Eh, okay, they have a new name as well. Team Quebec Asos, three out of five. It's hard to really tell the way they have the whole team lined out here. White. It looks like a lot of aspects this year are kind of a white chest and white on the shirt with darker elsewhere. Uh, not so not so bad. 
Lotto looks exactly the same as what we've seen them in the past. Dark, or, you know, black legs and white with uh, blackish there as well. Lotto riding. And then they said one that hadn't been released, which we just talked about, which was EF Education First. Um, yeah, not that big of it. I don't mind actually the EF Education First kit. It doesn't look bad. Hey, Tyler, why don't you have, uh, you know, World Tour Pros off? You know, there's local ones to talk to you. Maybe it's because I bashed their team's kits. Maybe that's why. Hey, how about we hear a word from our sponsor? <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't have any of those. Um, how about the Grand Prix La Marseille 2021? Uh, this took place today, racing in France. We got a little bit of a sprint finish, and it was uh, from a small selected field. And it was a little bit interesting because you had uh, Trenton in there. You had uh, Brian Carcard in there, two guys that can sprint, especially from a small group. I mean, they can put it down in a big group as well. And they both kind of like uh, shit the bed. And I think part of it was first race of the year. Um, there was a headwind. There was a little drag uphill. You saw, I mean, the last 1K, if you see the last 1K video, uh, there was a French uh, one that they had on a steep hill. It was, uh, they filmed it from a fixed camera from the finish because you could just see it was 1K coming straight in. And uh, I don't know if Trenton, he just, he stuck out early and then got swarmed. Brian Carcard was all over the road throwing his bike. But in the end, you had Arlan Parret-Pentre, a French man from AG2R Citroën team. He's a climber, uh, been a pro since 2018, no other wins. And he uh, was 16th in the Giro this year. So there was a little bit of a kicker, I guess, before the finish aways, which separated everyone out. And look, that's that's what Trentin can do. Um, we talked about, I think it was the 16, 2016 Vuelta. He had three stage wins, and some of those were some climbs. So he can get up and over them with a break, and then he can usually smash you in the end. And he did not have it today. So you had uh, Thomas Baudet of Team Arkea Samsic in second. We did not see their kit. Uh, when we went through that list there. Brian Cocard, B&B Hotels, presented by KTM. Francisco Galvan Fernandez from Spanish Equipo Cam Farmer Team. Arjen Livings from the Bingo is in fifth. Tim Wellens, Mateo Trenton, Lillian Camelgeon from the AL. Camelgeon, he made it back up to a world tour uh, world tour team. He had been on Wanty Group Gobert for a while. Uh, Julian L. Fares of the EF Education, Nipo Fan. A Nepal team and odd, my favorite name, odd Christian Eiking of Wanty Gobert Matrix. So look, we got we got a race in, sweet. We got a French race. We got a French winner, and uh, everyone should be excited about that. Um, we'll see if we have any of these other races. You know, the Spanish races have been kind of getting canceled. I don't know. I don't know what we have going on for any of those up and, and in the States here, at least locally in Northern California, they are sending out, uh, the local racing is sending out some surveys for us to take, but they're not sending us anything about racing yet. So, uh, hopefully we'll have something coming up and how about some things that make you go, Hmm, well, I thought this was an interesting story. You know, we're uh, not going to get political on this at all. Cause I, what I think it's great is. Chuck Sigafredo, who only had a three or is it two out of five for their kit. They actually get a five out of five for a lot of people for what they're doing for their women's team, which is they're up in the salary. You know, we talked about this, uh, I think it was last year, we went through the UCI handbook and the provisions for what women's cycling actually it was, oh, it was 19 because last year was just kind of uh, screwed up. So we had, you know, they're going to institute a minimum wage for some of these teams. 
And my problem with that is if you're not getting their actual racing or you're not getting the funding and the teams and you're going to force these teams to pay the, their riders, you may be forcing these teams to just go belly up. And the problem really is we need a little bit more infrastructure with these teams. So some of the, the as you've seen, Movie Star, Jumbo, Trek, they're getting a women's team going and it's it, it, it could do a few things. One, it can help like, like Trek's going to do here, whether Trek Sigafredo increase women's base salary to equal male teammates for 2021. That's great. Um, and you're going to probably see that with Movie Star and you're going to see that with some of these other teams. The problem you're going to do then is the smaller teams might not be able to keep up and you're going to start seeing a big discrepancy and some some big superpowers in teams and you know you get that anyway so i don't know there's there's other things we can do we've talked about the economics of cycling before and however we didn't do want to wait for a mandate says the american team so they're uh, upping and like i said there's minimums that the uci is going to require and this is what's great about a team they can choose to do pay their riders as they wish. Now they said here, you know, obviously each rider can have an individual uh, worth, so to speak, and that's whatever, but they're gonna make sure that the minimums are at least taken care of. Now that's not for Neopros. Neopros have a different minimum for that. So Chuck Sigafredo has raised the salaries for their women's team to equal or exceed the minimum salary requirements set by the UCI for the men's world tour. Sport governing body intends to gradually increase the minimum salary for the men, women's world tour in the future. However, Trek Secret Federal told Cycling News they didn't want to wait for the mandate and instead implemented their own base salary requirements that went into effect January 1. Oh, good for them. Uh, published in the USA website, men's world tour teams are obliged to pay their riders a base wage of 40,000 employed or 65,000 euros self-employed. I imagine what this is. So... I, I'm, I, I'm only guessing here, but I imagine that they have an option of being considered an employee of Trek. Uh, otherwise, they're an independent contractor and they're paying them such. So they're paying them more as an independent contractor because they're not getting the benefits that they would have. And then they go through and talk here about uh, some of the women riders they had. I think the UCI has a set three month period that they can take for maternity leave. And so there's some of those things that are mixed in. So that might be the difference there of the two and how they want to structure themselves of being employed or non-employed. Uh, I'm not totally sure. As with all Neopro riders, there is a slightly lower minimum, which is the case for several riders on both programs. There's been some talk that pro cycling might require raising women's world tour minimum to the same as the men's. And this is something we strongly support. That said, we didn't want to wait until for a mandate. So we made the decision to do it ourselves. I'm not a fan of minimums necessarily. Like I said, there can be some problems with that. Uh, but I think the team, if, if they're going to institute some minimums, then they're going to have to start probably bringing uh, requirements for the women to be part of the men as far as the program. And then they're going, it's going to maybe be a mess. And I think the best thing for women cycling, which I want to see flourish, is to try to have their own program and have their own races because and do their own thing so that um, you're not trying to piggyback because sometimes the women's races are like the Giro. I, I've complained about this for years. The women's Giro is one of the best races of the year. So what do they do? They put it during the biggest men's race of the year, the Tour de France. So I have no choice of trying to watch that as well. How about mailbag? Uh, we didn't really get much here, but uh, go ahead and leave your comments. If you're watching this live, you can comment. You have any questions? Um, I did get a kudos today <laughs> on a ride on my Strava from July 13, 2014. I, I don't know what, what prompted that. Uh, if the guy wants to, to tell me why he 
kudoed me for a ride. It was right before I went to Ben, did the Cascade Classic, and I was putting in some efforts there. So I don't know. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, ride of the week. Uh, we'll get to this right away. Who do you think it is? Well, it's going to be Matthew Vanderpoel. Truly amazing race. Uh, his high cadence, kind of his never quit attitude, obviously, out there. And what a heck of a racer. It was very impressive. I did just get a text here from Chris, and he says... World champion, I have to. I wish I had access to this. World champs trophy, yikes! It is a gentleman. It looks like a looks like a claymation figure that someone did of a rider wearing or holding a bike. It's not. It's not very prestigious. Maybe we'll post that on our Facebook page. Uh, yeah. So I guess if you win worlds, you don't really get rewarded with it that much. That's a. It's a little bit of a bummer. I think that's uh, something we should work on. Okay, everybody. I think that's what we're doing. So, hope everyone, yeah. <laughs> hope everyone gets a chance to go out and ride this week. We will. Um, we got some riding in this last week, even with the bad weather. I got a tree through my fence that got fixed. It was a neighbor's fault. Kind of forced them to take care of it. Uh, but we'll get out riding. I got riding this weekend. It was good weather. Hope to have some a uh, little more. Supposed to have here in Northern California. Supposed to have the rain on Tuesday, and then some back. So. Group rides, I don't know, there's COVID, there's group rides, there's bike racing in uh, another world. UAE tour, I think that's coming up. Uh, we saw Nelson Palace around here in the, our neck of the woods a few days ago, at least last week. But I think he's scheduled to do that race. So we're pretty excited for him and hope that um, hope he smashes it out of the park. All right, everybody, take care.